What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Warp Factor Fiction. This is episode 15. I cannot believe we have gotten this far. We are on Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, and we are loving it. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk about all 10 episodes and a little bit more, and we're going to have a really good time. I just want to give you guys a heads up that this is going to come with a hiatus. And for the next two months, for the holidays, we're going to take off. Lieutenant Junior Grade in Manhattan needs some well-deserved time to rest, prepare for some schoolwork, and some other things coming up. And we're going to return in January 2024 with the original series. I cannot wait to show it to them. We're going to get into it. So make sure you're joining us over on Patreon. That's where it's going to be. But we are going to have a few live events maybe pop up. You know, maybe a Warp Factor Fiction Christmas special, stuff like that. We got a lot planned. So make sure you're being a part of it. You're jumping in. And if we do lives, make sure to jump in the comments. We love talking to you. We love getting into Star Trek and all of this. So without further ado, Warp Factor Fiction, episode 15. This is Strange New World season two. We're going to do the whole thing. We're going to go right through. This is one big episode for our final go. We didn't, we were thinking about breaking it up into two episodes like last last month with the first season but 10 episodes is just so interconnected we wanted to put out this episode just have a nice one long episode and then go into our hiatus and come back because those are gonna have to be broken up because much more episodes but i'm going on a little too long i have my buddy here mr manhattan lieutenant junior grade welcome tommy how are you buddy i'm doing good how are you good man thank you come back for another episode and I got to tell you, I think we had a lot of fun with Strange New World season two. Yeah. This first, uh, the first season was very good. I really liked it. They're mm-hmm. setting things up. They're introducing characters. But I feel like by the second season, you really hit a stride and you run with it. Yeah, I do think it was better than the first season. It wasn't perfect as everything has its slow spots and not as great spots. But there were really good episodes. And I think those made up for some of the slow spots of it. Because I didn't like every episode of it. Uh, And I actually, I can't wait to get into the episodes with you to kind of see where you're at and how you felt about them. But I wanted to ask this. Were there any characters that were also in the first season that really grew on you or you changed your view on in the second season? Because for me, there were a few. Yeah. Um, I feel like Chapel had a different kind of vibe. I think Ortega's was, I think she was put in a little bit more than what she had been in the first season. Because I feel like Ortega's was just a helmsman in the first season, and now she's been on away missions and she's done other stuff. So I feel like yeah, one of them. I'm with you on that. Um, my only, I would say my only takeaway from this, and I do love that they, they gave them more personality and they, and they put them in more. I do agree. Ortega's was a great addition to spin. Like she had a good sizable part in the first one, but it did feel like, oh, it's the helmsman. We'll come to it when we have helmsman things. In mm-hmm. this one, like you got more of a backstory. You started seeing like, oh, she's fought in a war, you know? And then you got more about Una and you got more about Leon. And everybody really like shined, I feel like, a little bit more here because we were comfortable with them already. And then by the time you get into it and you see like where they went with uh, uh like Ortega stuff like that like they they added this whole realm uh, this whole like backstory that really worked within what they were going with like uh with the Gorn and such and her mm-hmm. anger towards it and things and I'm using her as the example but what I really liked that they did here is it feels so much like what Trek is and it's supposed to be I, Everyone- I- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I haven't had much of like not new Trek, but it does kind of, I have seen a little and it does kind of feel more like the old Trek. It ha- yeah, feel- they're interacting 
was very reminiscent in the original series, which you're about to get into, and also very reminiscent about TNG and DS9 and Voyager. They were very special shows in the sense that the bridge crew was really the focus of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And they always talked it out, they tried to figure it out, the captain, of course, leading the charge, but like it wasn't about, okay, this person mm -hmm. saved the day, they're the big hero. Yeah, you have your hero moments, don't get me wrong, but the bridge crew is always trying to figure things out. Like nobody was really outshining anybody, it was everybody was coming together. And I got a lot of this that I haven't seen in a lot of the newer stuff with the, the exception of maybe Picard season three. And that's an asterisk because they were together seven years doing it and four movies. So they understood and they, they worked with Gene Roddenberry. They knew the formula. That's what, but I really liked what I saw here. <laughs> and it, it reminded me a lot of what Orville was doing. The Orville was doing another great Star Trek base show. So I, 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 did, I did really like the characters and what they did with this. I haven't seen the Orville, but I do want to see it. I think it will be good. I will add it on to the end and we'll, we'll make that our final approach. Oh, <laughs> if yeah. you will, Cause it's not so much connected. I wouldn't mind doing like a live special where we, we talk about the parodies of Star Trek. Cause it's been parodied so many times. Like galaxy quest is one uh, on countless sketch TV shows and, other tv shows have, have followed suit and stuff i'd really like to see your reaction to a lot of the parodies versus what you see watching star trek too that could be fun um, so let's, uh, before we get into any more real quick i just wanted to uh talk a little bit about characters this season because we did get some new ones we get mm -hmm. pelia we get captain kirk played by paul wesley in this uh, pelly of course is played by the great cow Kane. um who else did we get in a, it was was new in this one I'm, I'm trying to my memory is what it used to be the vulcan admiral kind of played a little bit for like two episodes but like then he yeah but there was no there was nobody else really on the crew that came back in right scotty at the end oh my god and i i should have i wish i remembered that to tell you to shut up so so we don't spoil it in the beginning we can talk about it when we get to episode 10 <laughs> relax everybody i'm not telling them to shut up shut up though um so scotty when we get to episode 10 i want to go more into that but it was like kirk was all right i i'm not I, I'm I'm on record about my feelings about Paul Wesley, uh, and I just I didn't think he really worked as Kirk. Actually, weirdly enough, in the episode we get into where he's a a different dimension Kirk, I thought he was more like Kirk in that than he was when he was playing regular James D. Kirk. <laughs> I kind of thought that too. I kind of was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, he he's kind of like Kirk in this, and in that he they should be switched. The role should get switched. Yeah, for me. You know, going back into everything and having that, you know, like having a lot of fun with this show, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it really was just, it reminded me of that original series, but like a really cool up to date version, which is ironic to say, cause I've done that a lot in this whole franchise, but it just, it works. Like it's still like, I still feel like it fits with the original series in a weird way. What did you think? Like, you know, with us going into the original series, I don't really know that much about the original series. So I can't exactly say, yeah, this is like the original series. Cause like I've actually had more of the J.J. Abrams movies than the original series. Yeah, all right. So, okay, so let's talk about that then, because those are essentially an alternate universe. Um, so watching this, you know, that matches pretty well with those, right? Mm -hmm. So you have seen the original series, though, and, like, seeing that and seeing the look, does it bother you that this one taking place before happens to look more modernized? It doesn't really, like, bother me, but I'm kind of like, if this is before, and... They didn't really have in-ship transport, and I they did use it in the second season. I, 
I remember mm -hmm. it, but like they didn't use it at all in the original series. Like the transporter was just to beam them down, not in the ship. That is true. That is actually true because that does come up later where you can start beaming things. I have to go and look. Uh, I have to do my research about the original series and where we're at because I did notice in one of the episodes when he had uh, specialized weapons uh, transported to the room mm -hmm. that they were in. I was like, I don't think that existed in the original series or at least in the beginning of the original series. So it wouldn't have existed then. Uh, I can't recall if they did that or played that on uh, Discovery. They did. You they also did. Got you also went on a larger rant about it. Oh, well, yeah. Let's go back and watch the old episodes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, well, my biggest thing with this is I, I've chosen to be okay with it if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just, I, I'm just choosing to say, you know what? I think that whatever, let's just change, let retcon this and let it work. Because one thing I did really like was uh, the transporters when they were written, were written as a budget saver because doing the shuttles all the time, that would create extra work and more sets and, and more props and stuff you have to build out the transporters you could get away with. And it was, you know, cause if you notice a lot, and when we watch the old episodes, they still use the, the shuttle when they could, because Roddenberry preferred that, but they used the transporters and they didn't show it a ton. Like it was just a kind of way to introduce, to cut out the idea of having to start somewhere and fly in or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I do, I, you know, so I don't mind them retconning it a little bit, but mm -hmm. if they went to haywire, we're doing things like did not exist before this, that or the other, I would get annoyed. I think that's why I went my first watch with Discovery kind of bothered. It, it was too modernized. This one, I think, is modernized, but still is, like, very, threaded very well with the original series. Mm -hmm. But I'm um, talking watch. What do you think? So with the ancient transport thing, I kind of treated it as the same thing when, like, an anime, when a main character goes up on a something against an opponent that he should that they should not be able to be the villain is so much stronger than them yet somehow just through the pure main character energy that they have they win <laughs> hey it's it's the strength of will it's the hero's journey they've they've learned through their journey how to win without even it's just main character energy. Plot armor. Listen, you calm down you calm down sir <laughs> just saying I, I get that it, I it's like plot armor because i'm like okay yeah this happened cool same thing with them even though this shouldn't have happened that's kind of how we treated it. All right. Let's, uh, you want to roll through the episodes? Yeah. All right. Here we go. So, the episode one of season two, The Broken Circle, was directed by Chris Fisher and was written by Henry Alonzo uh, Myers and Akiva Goldsman. His original editor date was June 15th, 2023. I thought I'd start ending these little accoutrements as we go. Um, while undergoing upgrades under the supervision of long lived engineer Pelia, the starship USS Enterprise receives a distress call from security chief Laan Noonien Singh uh, on the mining planet. There you go. Uh, with first officer Una number one, Chin Riley arrested and Captain Christopher Pike recruiting her defense counsel. Uh, Vulcan science officer Spock disobeys Admiral Robert April and steals the Enterprise. Spock and the crew find Laan at Katajar 4. And she explains that a cabal of ex-Starfleet and Klingon soldiers are plotting to restart the recently ended Klingon Federation War. Dr. Mbanga and Nurse Christine Chapel are captured and taken to a ship that has been cobbled together from Starfleet technology. The cabal plans to use it to fire on the Klingon ship and frame Starfleet. Mbenga 
and Chapel fight their way off the false flag ship, just as Spock orders its destruction, saving the arriving Klingons. Uh, Spock bonds with Klingon captain over drinks, impressing Pelia. April reprimands Spock, but is privately grateful that the war with the Klingons was avoided, considering the impending threat of the Gorn. Wow, this was a big episode. It was. It was a big one back, especially with uh, Una, uh, number one, being uh, on trial uh, for being Aurelian. Uh, Lon being gone, hunting down the young girl, trying to help her, you know, from the first season. This was a lot, man. And then Crystal and Mbenga, uh, you know, sort of being taken captive. Wait, Crystal? Uh, Kristen, uh, Christine, Christine, sorry, sorry, Christine. So what did you think of the episode going into it? I, I loved this episode. I did. I liked it. One thing I feel like they should have changed was I do, I think Spock should have gotten punished. I know that Admiral was grateful, but he still should have gotten punished because, like, you stole a ship and a hangover was your punishment. I, I feel like he should have still gotten punished and, like, maybe been a little out of episode two. Okay. I like that. Or at the very least, dealing with the repercussions of being suspended or something. I like that. And, and you know, and it's a good layer to it because you never really think about when you see, like, uh, and you'll see this a lot in TNG when it comes up. And actually, you might see it a lot in TOS, too, because there were reprimands there. Or they get in trouble when they did something. And, of course, it always worked out because you don't want the captain to not be a captain or something. But they do a good job there i wish they had done something here to kind of juxtapose that i like your i like your take on that but overall the episode was very good i thought uh what'd you think of pelia as the addition as the new chief engineer she was good i feel like it was much different than season one's engineer and hammer and i feel like they're trying to get her evolved immediately like we didn't really see much of hammer for the first few episodes well they did something that was really good for the uh because you had to replace hammer hmm. you know because he's gone he died he sacrificed himself so i felt like they did a really good job get a casting because carol kane is a favorite people who watch her and know her like her well and people who don't know her tend to gravitate towards her because she's a likable character she's a likable person yeah so she plays always like characters you like they can be weird they can be mean sometimes they can be that but they're likable if that makes sense yeah and it's very easy to piss off fans so i i applaud the producers for replacing hammer a character that you learn to love over the season and when they sacrifice him they bring in pelia because it has to be quick you have to have an engineer and i don't know that she'll be back for the second season at the very least, I think she's going to hand the reins over to Scotty at some point. Yeah. Especially when we got their interaction in episode 10. But uh, so overall, what would you think of this episode? Uh, and let's start a ranking for it. Let's go forward with rankings. Uh, this episode, 1 out of 10. What would you give it? 6.7. That's fine. I'd probably give this one a 7.5 or an 8, uh, personally. Uh, who's, who's your shining character in this one? Spock. He's I like Spock a lot. I liked Pike a lot. I'm going to go in Benga. Oh, yeah. He was so good in this one. I liked it a lot. Um, I think Spock had the biggest role, but Benga was the best. Yeah, and but my close second is Christine Chapel. Oh, yeah. And you might see her pop up quite a bit as my number one in this season. She was very good in this season. Mm-hmm. She did a fantastic job. All right, she really so did. yeah, just so good. And and it actually pisses me off that she wasn't a main character in the original series because I was like, they've added such a, a layer to her that really works here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we go on, uh, let's. Uh, oh, oh, so you're that was your shining character. And what did you? What's something you took away from this episode? And don't don't say it. Don't say it. I'm serious. Don't say it. <laughs> don't like it just you can save it for another time but say a real thing oh god um hmm. Mm -hmm. here we go i'm trying to think 
Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going if you're not going to go. Stealing can be good if it's for the right cause. Oh, God. This is not going the way I thought it would. All right, episode two, Ad Astra Per Aspera, was directed by Valerie Weiss and uh, written by Dana Horgan. Pike recruits Aurelian civil rights attorney Nira Katal as a defense counsel for number one, the prosecution led by Pike's girlfriend, Captain Marie Battelle, uh, easily builds a case that number one violated Starfleet's anti-genetic modification laws by hiding her identity as a genetically modified Illyrian. Illyrian, Illyrian, my apologies. Um, Catal argues that the law is unjust and inconsequently and consistently applied and points out that Admiral April has violated the prime directive when he believed it was the right thing to do. Laan, a descendant of the genetically modified warlord Khan Noonien Singh, investigates how Starfleet learned at number one status uh, worried that the information was taken from her own logs. Number one testifies about the oppression and marginalization of Illyrians faced in her childhood, explains that she joined Starfleet because she believed it celebrated diversity and reveals that she pr- uh, provided her own genetic status to Starfleet once it was known to the crew. Gatol argues that number one can be construed uh, uh, construed to be, uh, have been seeking asylum when she joined Starfleet the judge accepts this interpretation and acquits number one. This was a trial episode. You don't get them often in Star Trek, but when you do, I always like them. Mm-hmm. They're always going to teach you a good lesson, in my opinion. What did you think about this episode? I liked it. I think it was better than episode one, in my opinion. It was, in my opinion. Okay. I liked, it was a good um, follow-up, for sure. I really liked the um, like investigative part in it. Yeah, yeah, I liked um, that, too. I thought they did a really good job with the investigation, the try and like, and it was very contained episode. You didn't have a lot where you have to deal with everything else. You know, I'm not saying that the other issues didn't come up, but like it was all right. Let's deal with number one. We didn't do that in the first one, and that was a big cliffhanger from the first season. Mm-hmm. So the second one, I'm glad they kind of went into it a little bit more. Yeah. So, uh, who was your shining star for this episode? Well, let's rank it first, one out of ten, then tell me your shining star. Seven point. Five. No, seven point three. This one I would probably you and your numbers. Math whiz over here. I'm just gonna say a seven. Uh seven point three I will never remember that. Uh who's your shining star in this episode? Uh Riley. Yeah, my too. She did such a great job. Uh and what did you learn from this episode? What did you take or a takeaway? Don't say it, just give me a real one. This one is a real one. Okay. And the reason it is a real one is because so it's things aren't always as they see. The reason, because um the rule isn't always followed, so, and also it is allowed, so things are not always as they seem. So as okay. Admiral April didn't always follow a stone rule, and yet he was still allowed, and proving my point that things are not always as they seem. You get one an episode. That was your one. You get one an episode. So let's move on to episode three. Uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. A mysterious wounded man appears in the Enterprise, gives a time travel device to Lan before dying. She finds herself in an alternate timeline where Earth is ravaged by war and the Enterprise is captained by James T. Kirk. The device transports her and Kirk to 2020's Toronto where the pair form a romantic bond. They search for the point of divergence that caused the alternate timeline with the help from her uh from a younger Pelia and find a, a eugenics lab where the young Kanunian Singh is being raised. A Romulan time traveler uh, named Sarah intends to change human history by killing Khan and preventing the eugenics war. 
which would keep humanity from the path that eventually led to the unity and the Federation. Sarah kills uh, Kirk and fights for Laan, who kills Sarah and saves Khan. Laan returns to the Enterprise in her own timeline and is thanked uh, by a time-traveling investigator from the future, a colleague of a mysterious ma- of the mysterious man, confiscated the time-travel device and swears Laan to secrecy. Lon contacts her timelines, Kirk, but he has no memory of her. She keeps 20th century watch, uh, keeps a 20th century watch they uh, use to find the eugenics lab. This episode is very good. It's very interconnected with what Khan was and that whole lore. Um, and, you know, playing that up, uh, I know you've seen Wrath of Khan. I don't think you've ever seen Space Seed, though which you will and coming up. What did you think of the episode, man? Like this one, I really liked it was different, but I didn't really enjoy it. I liked the I liked the time travel episode that that was my problem with um, enterprise. They did it too much. Like you have one time travel episode, maybe like one every few yeah. seasons. Um, yeah. And, and they did that for a lot. I feel like, yeah. And I like that you point that out because I feel like that was one that they did every so often. Once that was, a, a, um, I think it was City of the Edge of Tomorrow is the name of the episode in the original series. But once you introduced the time travel aspect, it was used quite a bit. People liked it. And I get it. Um, I think the only movie it was used in in the original was part four, which still works. Uh, and then Next Gen used it quite a bit. And they used it quite a bit. <laughs> I think they used it a little too much, too. I think they did it in good ways. They were always trying to do the alternate timeline thing. But like, it, it, I think it, because they never had Mirror Universe to kind of rely on. Mm-hmm. But I definitely agree that uh, it was overused in Enterprise with the time travel. It was just, it got a little too weird sometimes. Um, but I did wow. like the episode. I, I thought this was a good one. I thought the interaction between uh, Laon and uh, Kirk was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I don't really like the Kirk as normal Kirk, I did like him in this episode. Yeah. I so wish he, I. I, <laughs> I wish he would play it normal in the next one or, or when he's oh. back. And, you know, I feel like it's. Um, I feel like the directors were like, "Don't do this because you're supposed to act differently." Yeah, no, but they got it reversed. <laughs> he trying to just be like, isn't he trying to be exactly like William Shatner? Eh, I just don't think it works as well. <laughs> I just don't think he does it as well. Like, I think Chris Pine did a really good job, sort of mimicking, making in his own. And we'll get to that when we get to the movies, but like making in his own. But at the same time, like it's it works like you kind of are like all right this works like it fits this is who kirk is Mm -hmm. i didn't i don't know about paul wesley i'm gonna hold on to that one a little bit more and and try and figure it out but what's your rating for this and what's your uh, who's your shining character 7.6 i'm just gonna say i'm gonna say uh, this is probably uh six and a half for me Who's your okay. shiny character? Lon. Lon? Yeah, mine too. All right. Technically, we could add Kirk, but I'm not going to. No. And wh- I'm not asking you what you learned from this episode because you're just going to say the same thing. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm Fine. Not. What did you learn from this episode or what was the takeaway? When you're in the past, you can alter your future by altering somebody else's. <laughs> and my second one is things aren't always as they seem. Because at the end of the episode, she calls Kirk and Kirk doesn't know her. So that is exactly as it's supposed to seem. You're wrong. You're ridiculous. All right. Uh, episode four, <laughs> Among the Lotus Eaters, directed by Edward San- Eduardo Sanchez and Kristen, ba- uh, written by Kristen Bayer and David- Davey Perez. Pike upsets Patel by suggesting that the relationship has harmed her career. The Enterprise is sent to the planet Rigel 7, the site of an earlier unsuccessful mission. Uh, Asteroids surrounding the planet emit radiation that makes people forget who they are. 
Pike, Lan, and Manga discover that Zach Nguyen, uh, a Ye- uh, Yemen, Yemen, yeah, yeah, presumed dead on the previous mission, has become a despotic ruler. Uh, he uh, for- enforces a castle system where laborers lose their memories every night, but he and his guards do not. The away team loses their memories and become laborers. Hearing a legend that their memories are stored in Nguyen's castle, Pike fights his way inside, defeats Nguyen, and learns that the castle itself blocks the radiation. Uh, the crew on the Enterprise also lose their memories, but pilot Erica Ortegas learns what her job is uh, from the ship's computer and instinctually navigates away from the asteroid. The away team recover their uh, memories and return to the Enterprise. Pike has the main asteroid pulled out of orbit and uh, ridding Rigel 7 of the radiation and their restoration of the laborers' memories. He apologizes to Patel, and they resume their relationship. Okay. Uh, this one was all right. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, I mean, there, it was a fun away mission episode, but it just wasn't one that really was like, eh. um, my, my ranking for this one is like, I'd probably put this at maybe a four and a half. Four and a half out of ten? That's like... An F on a test. All right, fine. A five. How's that? Still an F. It's getting a five, dude. You give it seven point six or seven point three. I don't what is your ranking for it then? Um zero point zero 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 one 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 one. It's what not it's not ranking? all six point three nine two three seven two eight. All right, six. 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 He's got a six. He made a six for it. I made a five. There we go. Who's um, your shining character in this? Uh, the Gorn, the Klingons, the Romulans, anyone that's not supposed to be. The captain's chair. <laughs> the captain's chair. I'm going Pike personal. Uh, um, here's Cligan. I'm not. No, I don't want to know what your takeaway was. I'm moving uh, on. To the <laughs> I'm not doing it. No, I'm not. I'm not subjecting myself to this. Here we go. Ready? Episode five, Charades, <laughs> directed by Jordan Canning and uh, written by Catherine Lynn and Henry Alonzo Myers. Spock and Chapo are nearly killed when they encounter a portal created by a higher dimensional race. They're Kirkovians who heal Chapel but accidentally reconfigure Spock's human ha- half-human, half-Vulcan physiology to that of a full-blooded human. This happens as Spock is preparing for an engagement ritual with his fiancée to Pring and her bigoted parents to Prill and Sevik. Wow. Uh, Spock's human mother, Amanda Grayson, boards the Enterprise to help Spock prepare. Spock does not tell to Pring of his condition, hoping to not worry her, and relies on the crew to help disguise himself as a Vulcan and stall ritual until a cure is found. Chapel convinces her Kovians to return Spock to normal by confessing to them her feelings for him. Spock is able to complete the ritual, which ends with him making a telepathic connection to his mother that shows him how difficult it is for a human to love a Vulcan. Spock then reveals the ruse to call out to Pring's big to Pril's bigotry. Offended that Spock and uh, hid his condition from her, to Pring asked to break and take a break from their relationship. Spock later admits to Chapel that he has feelings for her and they kiss. All right, that was a lot happening in that episode. <laughs> uh, this episode was pretty good. I liked it. Um, it it was a fun, quirky one. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I liked it. I just realized that season one, episode five, was very similar. It was another when they switched bodies. Yeah, yeah, and it played up the comedy in that too. But I, I liked how that this kind of was balances it out because it was him dealing with Tapring, 
hiding something like he was changed because of somebody he loves like you know changed with somebody he loves but this time it was chapel and they're playing towards that still keeps to bring alive for the original series but it as christine chapel another relationship uh lair so i didn't mind it as much i don't love the relationship thing angle they're going on with but it actually to me when you watch a tv show and there's so many inter relationships within the friend group or whatever Mm-hmm. Uh, or the work co-workers or whatever it never makes sense to me because they always do like everybody does it and that's not how it works in real life but they don't do that on the show like lon's not falling in love with pike una's not secretly pining after pike pike's not secretly uh pining after una you know like but they there's gonna at least be one they live together that we know mm-hmm. of and i like that as spike and chapel uh spock and chapel my apologies um spike. yeah i know i the i perfect, got into it and then i, I was the like, perfect oh, character pike mixed oh, with Spock. Pike and Spock. Pike and Spock makes Spike. Pike is a Vulcan. Can we please call call them that whenever they're together on a mission? Spike. So Spike <laughs> goes out and they take the mission. What's your ranking for this episode? Uh, eight point one. Nice. I like that. This is a seven for me. I liked it a lot. Um, not one of my favorites, but I did like it a lot. All right, on to episode six. We didn't. We didn't do I our. Know, I know. Show. I know what we didn't do. I know. What we or takeaway. My All shining. Right. Fine. I'm okay. What's your who's your shining character? Mine's Chapel. I'll just say it right now. Spock. Right, good Spock. choices. I, I wanted to get away from the takeaways so bad, but I'm gonna let you have a takeaway. If you do it, you don't get a takeaway the rest of the episode. Well, this fits I told you about one, and you took advantage of it. So. I'm not gonna let you do another takeaway. We said you... one per episode, and that was episode and two. Now two we're on episode so five. No, one per episode of Warp Factor Fiction. Don't try to change <laughs> change the uh, goalposts on me or move them on me. What's your takeaway of this? Earn it, earn it, earn it. <laughs> Things don't do it. Are not usually as they seem. You're losing takeaways. All right. Uh, you have to earn them back now. All right. Let's move on to the next episode. We are on episode, uh, and this is a good one. Lost in Translation, episode six, is directed by Dan Liu, and it was written by uh, Onitra Johnson and David Reed. The Enterprise joins the USS Farragut to repair a deuterium uh, refinery. Ensign uh, Uhura begins experiencing hallucinations of strange noises and frightening images, including deaths of her parents and the former Enterprise engineer, Hammer. Pelia discovers that the refinery has been sabotaged. Sal Roman, uh, the officer responsible for the sabotage, is taken to sickbay. He exhibits symptoms similar to Uhura's. Uh, Roman uh, escapes sickbay and attempts to sabotage the Enterprise. Uhura pursues him and unsuccessfully attempts to calm him down. James Kirk, visiting from the Varagut, uh, rescues her before Ramon is uh, blown into space by an explosion. Yohora uh, discusses her hallucination with Kirk, and he helps her realize that she needs to confront her grief about her parents and Hammer rather than ignoring it. With the help of Kirk and his brother Sam, a xenoanthropologist, <laughs> Uhura realizes that her hallucinations and messages from aliens who live in the deuterium are being killed by the refinery. She reports their theory to Pike. He orders the refinery destroyed. And Uhura later introduces James Kirk to Spock, which is huge. This is a good episode. This is an entity episode. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. It's not one of my favorites. But uh, I did like the interactions in this. I did like seeing Kirk interact with the horror and then meeting uh, Spock for the first time. What do you think? Okay, so there's something I have to get off my chest. 
What? Things are not always as they seem in this episode. Oh my God. Stop with the takeaways. It's not a takeaway. It's a fact. All right. Okay. Whatever. So the reason is because that should be a new thing. Every episode, I have to find a way. I have to find a reason that things are not always as they seem. No. Nope. <laughs> I will not allow it. <laughs> You're getting bunched, busted down the ensign. <laughs> but um, So the reason is because first we thought they were hallucinating but it was just messages getting sent. No, I'm not doing this. I don't want you to re I don't want you to try and reaffirm what it means. Tell me what you thought of the episode. Oh my god, you're in rare form right before we take a hiatus too. Okay. The reason, I'm sorry. Um No, you don't follow. Uh I already told you what I thought. I thought things weren't always as they seemed in this episode. All right. I'm, just... I'm, what's your ranking for this? Mine's a five and a half. Uh, 7.4. Jesus, you are living at 7 with this show. For <laughs> I love it. Alright, I love this next episode. Uh, episode 7, Those Old Scientists, directed by the great Jonathan Frakes, who we also have an interview with up on the scenes now. Let's go check it out. Uh, and it was written by Catherine Lynn and Bill Walkoff. In the 24th century, Ensign Brad Boimler. Uh, Boimler. Sorry, Boimler, I got it, I got it. Of the USS Cerritos is assigned to investigate an ancient portal. The portal, which is empowered by the rare substance heronium, uh, sends back and sends him back in time 120 years where he's taken aboard the Enterprise. Boimler uh, struggles to contain his excitement at meeting his heroes and also to prevent polluting the timeline with his knowledge of the future. The portal is stolen by the Orion ship and Pike trades grains. Uh, grain supplies to retrieve it. They attempt to return Boimler to the future with the last remaining Heronium, uh, but Ensign Beckett Mariner comes through the portal instead in a rescue attempt. Spock and Boimler unsuccessfully try to synthesize Heronium uh, so they can use the portal again, while Mariner and Uhura work to uh, translate engravings on the portal. Boimler realizes the Heronium uh, from the hull of the previous Starship Enterprise, the NX-01, uh, NX uh, was incorporated into Pike's Enterprise. They use this to send Boimler and Mariner back to their own time, while, Orion, while the Orions agree to accept credit for discovering the portal in exchange for allowing the Enterprise to continue peacefully. This was the big crossover episode with Lower Decks. Um, I thought it was a really done, uh, well done episode, personally. So do I. Uh, I really liked it. I liked what they did with it. Um, tell me, uh, what was your feelings about the show? About this episode? So, I really liked it. But, yet again, things weren't always as they seemed. No, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm cutting the show. You're you're fired. You were busted down the ensign. Don't make me change you. No, seriously, drop that stuff. Let's really get into it. Come on. Fine. Um, I liked it. I'll give it a 17.37, 3,911. All right. Um, I, again, nobody's listening to you because you're being silly. But anyway... Uh, those old scientists, I'm going to give this episode an eight, maybe an eight and a half. This is a really well done episode. This this was really connected to Star Trek well. And I love that to the past, the present, the future, everything. Because they even go back to the old NX-01 and, and touch down on Enterprise. They touch down on a lot of things. So I do really enjoy this episode. So for me, I'd say eight and a half. Um, and my shining star in this episode is Boimler. Um, my shining star. What's your is, ranking uh, for? You didn't give. Oh, did you? No, you didn't give your ranking for this. Yeah, I did. I said it was seventeen point nine three six three seven eleven. I'm surprised you remember those numbers. Um. So my shining 
character is going to be uh Pelia. Who? Pelia. 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 Oh, okay. She was a good one in this one. I liked her bouncing off of the uh, characters from the future as well. Because, like, she did offer a lot of good advice being thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. You know, she may not be on their level of time, but she's seen so much time pass. She offers a rare look at the advice and stuff. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, okay, so and so Pelia was your shining star. All right, let's go on to the next episode, episode eight, Under the Under the Cloak of War, J- uh, directed by Jeff W. Bird and written by Davey Perez. Uh, the Enterprise hosts uh, Ambassador Doc Ra, a Klingon general who defected to the Federation and is said to have killed his own officers, and he learned, and he's also called, the was it the Butcher of... Uh, Jigal. Jigal. Yeah, the Butcher of Jagal. That's what they called him because he, he murdered his own officers because he thought what they were doing was wrong because uh, he was killing civilians on the uh, while fighting on the moon. Uh, veterans of the Federation Klingon War, including Ortegas and Benga and Chapel, are uncomfortable with his presence, who are all on that moon. Benga and Chapel served at a field hospital on Jagal and witnessed the brutality of the Klingon forces under Do- uh, Dr. Rao's command. Dr. Rao invites Mbenga to join his campaign for peace citing the symbolic power of a partnership between two men who are on opposing sides of Jagal and offers to help Mbenga find healing from the trauma he experienced. Mbenga rejects uh, Dakra's offer and eventually reveals that he knows it was Dakra who ordered the attack on the civilians. It was Mbenga who killed uh, Klingon officers, whose deaths Dakra is taking credit for. A fight breaks out, and Mbenga kills Dakra with the same dagger with which he killed his officer. Mbenga tells Pike that he did not intend to kill Dakra, but he does not regret it. I'm telling you now, this is my favorite episode of the season. I think this is the best episode of the season, and the fact that we got so many awesome episodes before it that touched down on the star trek convention so well i was perfectly fine with getting into this war episode what did you think i liked it um as usual i'm not gonna say it but as usual as usual i'm there with you but uh general thought he he all right i'll say it this time god i hate the fact that i have to say this because it works (laughs) things are not always as they seem and we learn a lot about mbanga in this episode You've driven me crazy with this episode. Thank God we're going on a two-month hiatus to just watch all Star Trek all the time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this episode I thought was great. What was your ranking for this episode? Oh, uh, 8.2. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with 10. I'm thinking this is a 10 episode. 10? A 10. Yep, this is a 10 episode. I loved it. Uh, who's your shining character, as if I have to uh, ask? Bingo. And it, also, is, it's, it's, it is, but I think I'm tied with Chapel. I like Chapel, but I think I'm Bengal did better. No, no, but I'm tied. They're tied in my, oh. my ranking uh, for my Shining Star. Like, they're, they are tied for this episode. They were, because they played off each other perfectly. And to see that how they met, oh, it was great. All right, yeah. let's move on. We've already established what our takeaway was from it. Same one you say all the time. <laughs> all right, let's move on to uh, episode nine, Subspace Rhapsody. Written by Dermot Down, or directed by Dermot Downs, and written by Dana Horgan and Bill Walkoff. James Kirk, recently promoted to executive officer of the Farragut, visits the Enterprise to Shadow Number One while conducting communications exper- experiments. Uhura uh, broadcasts a recording of anything goes into a mysterious subspace fold. It produces an improbability field that causes the Enterprise crew to begin singing about their feelings like characters in a musical. Pike has an argument with Patel 
in song in front of the crew. Chapel wins a prestigious <laughs> research fellowship and reveals in song that she prioritizes it over her relationship with Spock. Laon confesses her feelings for Kirk before the musical can force her to, uh, but he is already in a relationship with Carol Marcus. An affected Klingon uh, ship <laughs> tends to blow up the fold, but experiments reveal that they this will destroy all starships in the vicinity. Uh, sorry, I was just remembering what the Klingons did in this. Uh, Uhura <laughs> determines that singing an upbeat grand finale will provide enough energy to close the improbability field before Klingons arrive. She encourages the Enterprise crew to sing about the fulfillment they find in working together and exploring space. And when the song concludes, the improbability field dissipates. All right, before you say anything... Allow me, if you will, to just say Star Trek has never had a singing episode before. Not that they've never had singing on their show before, but it's never been a musical episode. This is something that long-running shows tend to do. Now, not that they've, they've done them over time, but like more frequently, I would say now. this. So Star Trek never having one and finally doing one, and they're either suck or they're good. I swear to God, there's no in between. Like it was all right. Like they're either really good musicals in each episode, or they're like Scrubs or Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, are two that come to mind. Are really great episodes, or you have really bad episodes. And I can't even think of any of the real bad ones right now. For me, I was expecting this to be in the really bad, and it was in the really good. What did you think? So I was planning on giving it like a high six, low sevens, but then the Klingon showed up at the end, and that's already giving it an eight point five to because the Klingons just were perfect oh my god uh yeah the fact that they wrapped at the end of it and like the, the way they turned it into like when he rolls away and they get up and they're all there and just like kind of go into it it was so odd but weirdly worked mm-hmm. right so I don't know, it threw me off, but I, I I did dig it. I thought it was really good. And it was a good addition to this, the final finale song. Um, the one thing I will say is Anson Mount has a hell of a voice on him. And so is uh, Celia Rose Gooding. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. They both have great voices. But the only thing I will say about the music, it was very melodramatic. Like there was no, the Klingon thing was really the most upbeat about it all. I would have mm-hmm. liked more, like I get the emotional side, but it would have been kind of cool to have upbeat characters sing too. Like maybe like Ortega's singing about flying or something, but like it was just more upbeat. Like I could have used a a couple of more, maybe two upbeat songs to really push forward. There were some up-tempo songs, but they weren't, they were still singing feelings. They kind of went down sometimes. So I don't know. That doesn't, that's my only gripe really, but uh, my ranking for this, I'd probably say a nine. Yeah, nine, 9.2. Yeah. And who's your shining star in this? the Klingons. Here, I'm going to go Pike. I think Pike uh knocked it out of the park with this one for me. All right, let's show oh. uh, let's do the last episode. Hegemony. Patel's ship, the USS Cayuga, is ambushed by the Gorn while resupplying the human colony Parnassus uh, Beta. Chapel is aboard the Cayuga en route to her fellowship and survives the attack. The Enterprise arrives to find the wreckage of the Cayuga and a Gorn device jamming communications and transporters. April orders them not to cross into Gorn-claimed space, but Pike secretly leads Ortegas, Lan, and Mbenga, and C- Sam Kirk to the surface. They find Battelle and they and other survivors, including Starfleet engineer Montgomery Scott, who has built a cloaking device to hide from the Gorn. Pike learns that Patel has been infected with Gorn eggs. Following a strategy suggested by Uhura and Pelia, Spock installs rockets on the Cayuga's wreckage so they can crash into the jammer. He kills an attacking Gorn, 
with the help from Chapel. The jammer is destroyed, allowing the Enterprise to beam up Pike, Scott, and Battelle, who is taken straight to medical. The Gorn capture Lan, Mbenga, Ortega, Sam, and other survivors. Pike is forced to decide whether to follow orders and retreat to stay uh, to rescue his captured crew. So with with Lan, uh, Mbenga, Ortega, Sam, and all of the survivors on the planet now in custody with the Gorn, like taken hostage by the Gorn. Technically, not even taken hostage. It is just they are prisoners of war. Like you know, like this, they were in their territory. So not saying it's right. But it is a big cliffhanger. Pike is kind of caught there trying to figure out, like, leave his people or does he stay? Plus, Patel is goner, you know, having the Gorn eggs in her. This episode was kind of a whirlwind, and it makes me really excited for season three. And the fact that yeah. the has been stepped up so much to see where the, it went. What did you think of this? I, I really liked it. Um, I feel like it was top five episodes, maybe top three. I'd have it three or four. Mm-hmm. Um. Probably tied with eight, maybe. Okay. I don't think the cliffhanger was right. I feel like they could have put it, um, like, right after Battelle showed that she had the Gornags, then bam, the cliffhanger. See, I no, like- I, I, I liked the capture aspect of it. Because you would think, like, if they're going to do a cliffhanger and leave Battelle as the cliffhanger, what happens to her? But the bigger cliffhanger being, are we at war? Do we have, what, what is going to happen here? Leaving Pike to have to figure it out with mm-hmm. half his crew gone? That's pretty big deal. Like, I, I liked where they went with this uh so they introduced of course the great montgomery scott scotty as we know what did you think i liked it i think it was i liked scott scotty yeah um did you know this scotty is the only actor out of the three scotty actors that's actually from scotland this scotty this actor who played um scotty is actually from there his name is martin quinn so he's from scotland is what you're saying yeah he's from a town just outside glasgow wow okay no i did not know that and so he is the only one who played scotty that was from scotland or did did, uh uh, james doohan was he from scotland i don't know he was from vancouver james he was a canadian actor i don't think i knew that that's really cool though i mean listen he, he killed it with that that accent but I, I didn't know that that's really cool so we do have scotty from actually from scotland so uh, what'd you think about scotty joining the fold do you think he should be on the show going forward like he yes. and Pelly should work together yes <laughs> just yes yeah don't mess around uh and do we do shining stars for this episode no who's your shining star in this episode um scotty scotty was good Uh, i would actually i might even argue such a good episode this is spock i gotta go spock spock did great in this episode you know him going off having the emotions once he saw chapel still alive like i thought it was really good the only other one that i could think of that's not scotty or spock is that one gorn that spock killed jesus all right uh what was your ranking for the episode um I'm gonna give it an eight point one. Eight point one. Uh, it was a good episode. I'm gonna give this one a seven and a half. Uh, so I'm gonna let you have a takeaway for the season. Please do it right. <laughs> I'm begging you. Please just do it the right one, right way. Do do something for real. Um, I'm not expecting this, but please do something for real. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Because you can't just keep learning that lesson over and over again. There's more to Star Trek. Please. <laughs> Restore my faith. <laughs> um, just because it's new doesn't mean it can't have flashes of the old days. I'll take it. It's better than also, any. Things aren't always as they seem. Uh, because it's new, but it is flashes of the old days, so it's not as it seems. All right, guys. So this was episodes one through ten of season two of Strange New Worlds. Thank you guys very much for watching. As you guys know, we were doing one big episode for this, and we were taking a two-month hiatus. November and December were taking off. 
we're going to regroup. We're going to watch the old original series and the animated series. We're going to put together the episodes. We're going to take that time to really reset. My little buddy here over here, uh, Mr. Manhattan and Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade, has a lot of stuff going on in life, sports and other stuff with school and things. So this next two months is just going to be a lot for him, and we don't want to pressure him. So we will be back in January 2024, and we will start with Season 1 of uh, the original series or those old scientists as it is now. And we're going to just jump into it. And I can't wait to see what he thinks of that. Are you excited to check out the original series and what it was like? Yeah. I know you've been talking about it a lot. Like we, we've been getting into it a bit. So I am excited to, for you to do that and, and see Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner and Michelle Nichols and everybody all around. So thank you guys so much uh, for watching this, supporting us, checking us out. Keep in mind, you want, you're going to want to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, head over to and hit that bell over on our YouTube channel. These come out on our Patreon for the first month, but then they're on YouTube and they're on all podcast platforms afterwards. You're going to want to go over there because we're going to have some live shows as, available as well for the next two months, and then they will become podcasts as well. But you might want to join in with us live, so go follow us there for more. We are excited. We are super excited. We also have a brand new sponsor for the show, StubHub. Hello. Yeah, StubHub is sponsoring the show. We're, uh, the link is down below. You can go get your tickets for any sporting events, concerts, and more. I got the Taylor Swift tickets um, on there that we went to. I gotten sporting tickets on there and things like that. So go check out StubHub. They are awesome. Link is down below in the descriptions. Uh, before we could take off, and oh, I was going to call you Ensign Tommy, Lieutenant Junior Grade Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> what was? Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> what was the? Um, you know, do you have anything you want to say before we take off for two months? Like, what are you excited for? What, what are we getting into? So, first, the fact about episode nine is I think it was Christina Chong, but when I went on Spotify and like I saw it, apparently she had released a couple albums back in like 2015 or something. Like, she had released music before. I think it was uh, the person who played Law on. Yeah, it is. Sure. Yeah, uh, Christina uh, Chung, I think her name is. Chong, I think. Chong, I don't is know. Um, yeah, and she is a singer. I, I've heard that. I, I've not heard her music. So, have you heard anything? Have you have you looked? Her oh up? no, I didn't listen to it. All right, maybe we'll look her up and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get back. Uh, it'd be fun to kind of touch down on that. So, we'll be recapping. Uh, remember to follow us. Check out the live events, and then make sure to follow uh, to see what podcasts come out because we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff talking. Uh, getting into talking about uh, as we go on, guys. Just remember, you can check out snobsmerch.com. We have great Star Trek. Uh, themed stuff there and other movie stuff too so thank you guys again for joining up hanging out with us being a part of the patreon getting us early or if you're following us afterwards and uh not a part of the snob nation community we still thank you for supporting us remember to like follow subscribe we appreciate you guys uh until next time i'm mick manhattan from the scene snobs and i'm mr manhattan lieutenant junior green and <laughs> that's right to send us off things aren't always as they seem oh wait sorry first of all first of all and i mean that <laughs> things are sometimes what they seem all right guys until next time take care Bye.